Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by BuxtonCo.com. It's a Buxton. They have incredible service. It's mobile and predictive analytics. And we use this in our commercial real estate practice here at my shop at Bull Realty. It's incredible what you can do for due diligence and, and leasing and marketing of properties. Check them out at BuxtonCo.com. Well, we have a great show for you today. You know, one of the things we like to do is cover some of the major annual and semi-annual reports. And today we're going to cover the 2022 mid-year REIT performance report put out by NAREIT. Obviously, uh, REITs own a lot of commercial real estate and, and their performance and outlook can kind of give us all an idea of what's going on out there. Please welcome my guest. This is John Worth. He's Executive VP of Research and Investor Outreach with Nary. John, good to see you. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Well, thank you. And first of all, you know, we're all a little concerned about the economy here with what's been going on, right? With the Fed raising rates kind of so quickly at this point. Uh, what What is going on in, in, the, in the economy? I know it's a big question, but, you know, related to commercial real estate and the economy, kind of what do you see moving ahead for us? Yeah, thanks. And, and, you know, we view right now as a period of real transition, both for the macro economy as well as for commercial real estate. We'll get into the commercial real estate later, I'm sure. But when we think about the macro economy, you know, we're obviously seeing increasing signs of, of slowing and much more pessimism. And we're seeing that pessimism in households. We're seeing that pessimism in uh, investors, obviously, as reflected in, in the stock market. And really importantly, we're, we're seeing that pessimism reflected in CEOs and capital allocators. Um, I was recently at an event with a lot of real estate capital allocators. Question was asked, are we going to be in recession in the next 12 months? Raise your hand if you disagree. I was in the front row. I was the only person in a large room of capital allocators who raised their hand saying we weren't going to be in recession in 12 months. So I might be right. I might be wrong. But that tells you that the sentiment of those people who are allocating capital has really turned negative. Now, the reason why I can tell you all the reasons why uh, the, the downside case, I think I think we all know that and we're, we're today as we're, we're sitting here, we're probably going to get a 75 basis point move from the Fed. Uh, this week, we're going to see Q2 GDP numbers. Uh, I don't think they're going to be great by any, by any stretch of the imagination. We'll see whether they're negative or positive. I think that that's a bit of a coin flip right now. What gives me a little bit of optimism, especially for the next 12 months, um, is really the strength of the labor market. You know, right now we have uh, 1.7 job openings for every unemployed person. Last month's job report was actually surprisingly strong with, with over 300,000 jobs created. And importantly, we're starting to see labor force participation among prime age workers tick back up. And that's really critical to my uh, slightly more optimistic than consensus view, which is that what can keep us on a growth path, and, and obviously we're gonna see a slowing economy, but what could keep us in positive territory over the next 12 to 18 months is really households 
re-entering the labor force as they're feeling their budgets stretched by energy costs and inflation, re-entering the labor force, uh, working more hours, uh, maybe even increasing productivity, uh, and, and keeping their spending going. So that, that's my slight, what I call my slightly more optimistic than consensus pay, case. But just right now, you know, basically, um, you know, we're seeing growth estimates being slashed for next year. Uh, we've seen the, the, percent, the, the probability that we're in recession uh, next year basically triple since, the, since January uh, with, with, you know, consensus estimates nearing 40 percent. So, so I, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a great outlook, uh, but it may not be as bad as the current consensus. Yeah. Well, John, it's very cute that you think we're all going to get back to work finally, right? <laughs> it's been the great recession, right? I'm not the great recession, the great resignation. No one wants to work anymore. It, it's, it's been really tough. You know, um, I think ultimately we may end up calling this the great reshuffling uh, in the sense that I think a lot of people, uh, you know, had the opportunity either because of stimulus pl- payments or unemployment payments. Uh, to really take a step back from jobs that, frankly, uh, they really disliked. I think that, uh, you know, Michael, I know you like your job. I really like mine. Uh, It's hard to put yourself sometimes, I think, in the mindset of somebody who really works a lot of hours at at a job that that is not intellectually stimulating for them um, and that that they really find unpleasant. And a lot of of people in that position took this as an opportunity to to move up, uh, get, get higher hourly wages, or find something that that they felt like was a better fit for, for their skills and their lifestyle. And, and that, that's creating a lot of uh, disruption throughout, throughout labor markets. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see when this labor market kind of turns around a, a little bit and uh, some of the uh, leadership and some of these companies can get folks uh, back in the office for the benefits you know, for those people and, and their careers and the, and, the, and the economy overall. Well, so there's increased pessimism about the economy and uh, potential recession. You know, what kind of landing could we have here? How is it would that, if we do hit a recession here by its definition, how might it compare to the what I what I just recently called the Great Recession? I don't know why it was called Great. I didn't think it was that great, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see anything as as sharp or as steep as what as what we had during the financial crisis, and and certainly not something as sharp as the 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 quick contraction we had during uh, sort of the COVID period. And, and I, I think it's important to keep in mind, and the, re- the reason is because I think that we're gonna see, you know, banks are healthy, credit markets and credit conditions will, will, stay, will stay open, we'll, we'll, we'll have active lending markets. We're not gonna see that kind of credit crisis driven contraction like we had in, in the financial crisis. And I think, you know, we, we have to, I, I know memories are short, but it's, it's really important to, to keep in mind that what the Treasury and the Fed did uh, across administrations to, to, to allow us to have a sharp recovery from COVID really needs to be, really needs to be applauded, right? They, they moved quickly to make sure that financial markets stayed open, that there was liquidity in the system. And that really kept us from having our COVID shutdown-related economic crisis, slowed, sharp slowdown in real activity, turn into 
uh, something like the financial crisis, where where we had a sharp credit contraction, and so, so you know, in some ways, we're, we're living with uh, with with what uh, uh, your guest last week, Marley, talked about the aftershocks of of the the earthquake of COVID, and and I think some of what we're living through right now is is aftershocks, but I think it's important to keep in mind that you know what we what we got from some of those policy efforts uh, really helped us avoid what could have been a really terrible uh, economic contraction that that could have that could be still going ongoing if if we hadn't seen policymakers act quickly yeah and John there's some other aspects right that uh, are a little different than previous recession if you will you know uh, the amount of debt right on properties and we have less less debt on these properties yeah uh, we, on commercial real estate yeah for sure we, we've generally seen uh, deleveraging um, you know we, we've we've got lower interest expenses going in we've seen we've seen generally uh, you know tighter underwriting over the last cycles um, you know it may be that that uh, you know you know we were we were seeing things get a little loose as we as we sort of came came into uh, the end of 2019. Uh, certainly, all those underwriting standards have tightened up, but but in general, we're we're not going in either on the household side or on the commercial side with nearly the type of leverage and and risk taking that that we had going into the the financial crisis. And you know, a great that that's sort of a one place where we certainly see that in 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 the the piece of the market we look at most closely is in in REITs who have been really deleveraging almost continuously since uh, the financial crisis and, and came into the COVID period with historically low levels of leverage, uh, a, a great amount of access to, to liquidity, both on their balance sheet and in terms of lines of credit that they were able to draw down in some of the harder hit sectors. Um, and it, today, very low interest expense and, and very well uh, the the tenor of the debt is quite long, so so they've got an average term to maturity, uh, you know, over seven years right now. So so that gives you a lot of confidence, both going into an economic slowdown and going into a period of higher rates. And I, I think you know I don't think every piece of the commercial real estate market is is as well positioned, but we're certainly not looking at the amount of leverage and and um, the type of structure of that debt we had going into the financial crisis. Yeah, and when you, John, when you look at the impact of a potential recession on commercial real estate and REITs, and, and you compare it to past cycles that we've been through, um, what do you, how do you feel about the amount of supply, the new construction? It seems like in past recessions, we, we were obviously overbuilt. W what do you see today? Yeah, th this has been a really interesting cycle in the sense that we just generally have not seen uh, systematic overbuilding. So that doesn't mean that we haven't seen markets that got overbuilt in a particular segment, but those have tended to uh, tended to even out relatively quickly. And I, I think actually, in some ways, uh, this may be part of the new normal of commercial real estate. I think. I think when you when you think about today, the amount of market intelligence you as an investor or a developer have about what's under permit, what's in planning stages, what the demand looks like in a particular in a particular part of a city or in a particular region, 
it, you're, you're so much better informed today. And I think that that has worked to ameliorate some of the the boom aspects of building booms uh, as you're, you're much better informed about what other developers are doing and what else is in the pipeline. And, and there's a lot more flexibility about moving to other markets. So I, I think that we're going in from a, from a supply perspective, uh, really in, in, in quite good shape. And the areas where we've seen really meaningful amounts of supply coming online are areas where I think we'll, we'll see demand hold up quite well. And that includes industrial and logistics and multifamily, uh, where you know even with a recession, I think we're still going to see uh, millennials, you know, creating their own households. And, and when you go into even, and I think we're going to have a mild recession if we have a recession, um, you know, when you go in with, uh, you know, five to seven household, five to seven million uh, housing structures short, um, you know, that, that gives you quite a bit of cushion to make it to make it through uh, a slowdown. We're talking with John Worth uh, with uh, Nayreed uh, about their mid-year report. And, uh, and John, one of the things that really makes commercial real estate and real estate in, in general, I think, attractive to investors is, you know, over time, inflation uh, can be a real a benefit to commercial real estate. So what do you feel about inf- the impact of inflation that we're having now and that we expect and, and the commercial real estate world and, and REITs? Yeah, I, you know, we we've certainly looked at the performance of REITs in, during inflationary periods going back through time. Of course, we have to we have to go back quite some time to see levels of inflation like what we're experiencing today. But what we see is that REITs systematically outperform the broader stock market during periods of high and moderate inflation. And I think that's no surprise to commercial real estate investors. Um, they're, you know, they they are able to pass through some of their their uh, cost increases in terms of rent, and then of course, as we see replacement costs rising, and that's been a dramatic shift in this market. Uh, construction costs have risen much faster than the overall rate of rate of inflation. They see the the value of their assets increasing. So so we think that relative to other asset classes, there's no reason why this inflationary cycle should be any different from prior cycles. And in those prior cycles, REITs, commercial real estate have systematically outperformed. So so we think you know we think commercial real estate needs to be part of every investor's uh, portfolio. We think REITs are a great way to to get access to commercial real estate. Uh, they, it pairs very nicely with with other forms of ownership of commercial real estate, and um, and an inflationary period is one of those times when I think you know a broad base of investors sort of see why it's so beneficial, why that how that diversification benefit and how that inflation protection can benefit them over over a long over the long term by being in their portfolio. Yeah, I mean, I may be accused uh, of singing to myself in the shower here, but <laughs> uh, of all my investments, I really like in commercial real estate in these inflationary times and, and actually uh, acquiring some more, uh, especially when these, these cycles are um, illustrate that might be a good time to buy. And, and that kind of leads us well into my next uh, question for you, and that's uh, performance uh, on these properties. You know, what do you see for some performance of the commercial real estate that's uh, owned by REITs? You know, we, we've seen this real uh, 
split in terms of the year the year so far we were and we're, we're just entering into q2 earnings season so we're, we're getting a lot more in information and intel but what we saw coming out of the first quarter earnings and uh, we we gathered uh, the REIT industry together in early June and we got to hear from from the leadership of of most of the REITs then and, and what we consistently heard was that operational performance has been really quite excellent. Um, in early June, we, we heard, you know, systematically that, uh, you know, it was green across their dashboards. Rent growth, rent growth was up, occupancy was up, uh, very strong demand. So they certainly at that time knew that there were forecasts for a slowing economy. Uh, they're preparing for it. They're, 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 they're starting to put it into their forecasts. But in terms of current operations, they're really not seeing it. And as we're, we're early in the earnings cycle for Q2, but that's certainly consistent with what we're seeing uh, coming through in terms, of, in terms of a very strong second quarter, uh, very continued strong demand, uh, a little more cautiousness about what's going to happen for the, for the next 12 months. But that's really being driven more by external forecasts than what they're seeing in their own portfolios. So that stands in stark contrast to, to uh, what we've seen in the stock market this year and the stock market performance of REITs. Uh, REITs, as of, as of yesterday, were down about 16%. So they're, they're outperforming the broader stock market by about a percentage point as of yesterday. Uh, but, but there's a real divide between the stock market returns, where I think they've been drawn down with the rest of the stock market, um, and their, their operational performance, which continues to be quite strong. And we can't have a discussion about the economic environment and commercial real estate without asking about the impact of rising rates. You talked about it earlier, the, the Feds uh, were expecting a 75 basis points increase. And it's, it's been really remarkable to be so low for so long and then move things up so quickly. What do you think about the impact there? The first impact we're seeing, and we, we've certainly been hearing this, and, and I expect to see this in, in a lot of Q2 earnings reports, has been just the slowdown in the number of transactions. Um, I think, you know, as, as one of our, our CEOs put it, uh, you know, uh, buyers, want, buyers want tomorrow's price and sellers want yesterday's price. And we're sort of having trouble finding that, that equilibrium point. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're seeing this with, with with your own properties and the properties that you're marketing is that uh, when you don't have uh, stability in terms of what cap rates you should be targeting, what you should be expecting and, and what that, that cap rate spread to treasuries should be or, or, or has is generally, it makes it really hard to get deals done. So I think the first thing we're seeing is just this slowdown in transactions. Um, in, in the REIT space, we've also seen uh, interestingly, uh, and, and probably not surprisingly, we, we've seen a real slowdown in capital market activity. So REITs uh, trading at a discount this year have not been issuing much equity, um, and they, they've also have not been issuing a tremendous amount of debt. So, so we actually view this as, as actually a sign of strength, uh, because what that is showing you is that REITs are not being required to go to the financial markets to refinance debt right now. Um, and so, so they've been able to be a little bit selective, uh, sort of 
go to do re refinancing at a time and place of their choosing in a way. Uh, so they've been they've essentially been staying out of the capital markets. Um, and, and I think that that's linked to, you know, both not a slowdown in acquisitions, uh, slowdown in dispositions, and uh, essentially the financial flexibility that their balance sheets afford them right now. So they, they don't have a tremendous amount of debt coming due this year and next year. So they've been able to uh, have a little bit of a wait and see uh, attitude towards, uh, toward, towards capital raising. Yeah. And if uh, you're listening or watching the show, we'll put a link to the actual report uh, on the show website at CREshow.com. And you also find it at REIT.com. Uh, and, and John, as you write this report and you're involved in, and you're talking about it, you know, what does it leave you with at this point? Here we are, mid-year 2022, kind of looking forward. Uh, what's kind of an, uh, what's an overview that... Uh, a takeaway for the audience. Yeah, for for me, it's really uh, just this transitory moment, right? So for commercial real estate, for the macro economy, for REITs, we're really transitioning between, uh, you know, sort of a the the end of the end of the the end of the end of the COVID era, right? Which which really took us a long. It was it was kind of a long roller coaster, especially when you looked at performance across sectors uh, between. You know the the sharp declines in early 2020, the recovery starting in mid 2020, and then uh, the that sort of um, the the uh, the the boost that a number of property sectors got as, as uh, the population was increasingly inoculated against against COVID and, and started to go about their go move back to uh, normalcy in terms of how they were living their lives, um, and now we're really transitioning into a, a very new phase of uh, slower growth. Uh, essentially, most, most property sectors in the REIT space are, are essentially fully recovered from COVID, if, if, not, if not more than fully reco recovered. We had earnings in Q1 that were uh, the highest ever, uh, and, and most sectors are, had earnings that were, were above, and in some cases, well above their pre-COVID quarterly, quarterly earnings. And now we're transitioning into what is probably going to be a period with, uh, I think, you know, higher rates than than we had uh, prior to COVID. I don't I don't think they'll be they'll be, you know, I don't think we're going to be seeing the 10 year Treasury running at five and six percent uh, for any meaningful period of time. But I do think we'll, we're going to have uh, higher systematically higher rates for for a time and a period of slower growth as we essentially recalibrate to uh, the, the post-COVID and post-COVID stimulus world. Uh, and that, that's going to take, that's going to take, you know, I, I, I imagine that's going to take 12 to 18 months. And during that period, I think we're going to see, uh, like I said, I think we're going to see transactions slow down a bit um, and we'll see capital markets activity be, be dampened a bit. But typically, um, when you come out of periods of, of disruption, REITs have tended to uh, find a lot of opportunities in those periods um, because they have access to both debt and equity markets. They tend to have uh, some advantage in terms of raising capital uh, in those periods and, and tend to see, see fairly strong growth coming out of periods of disruption. And John, what would you say to folks who um, 
are really concerned about these uh, interest rates. You know, this will show my age. No, not my age. My experience level. I remember <laughs> when, uh, when when I got a 12% interest rate on a property, I was really excited and and sold properties during uh, periods of really high rates. And and the market worked. People made money. Companies made money. You know, what would you tell folks who figure like these rates today are, are just so high? How are we going to exist? Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 market always finds an equilibrium, you know, and uh, I certainly uh, even even in my own neighborhood, my my neighbor across the street, he, you know, his first mortgage was at 13 percent. And uh, I've got some, you know, 30 young people in my in their young 30s on the other side of me across the street. And they, they can't imagine having a mortgage, you know, at 4 percent. Right. Uh, but, you you know, you make it work in the household budget on the in in the uh, in the residential side and you know on the commercial side those cap rates are going to adjust um, but it is going to take a, a time for those for people to really get their head around some of these rates and and how deals pencil out at, at the higher rates but i i don't think we're going to be headed to these you know 12s and 13s i think we're, we're more going to more likely going to be in the fours and fives but but it does it is a it is a different threshold for deals, um, you know. So uh, threes, fours and fives versus threes is is gonna mean some deals don't pencil out, but the deals that have uh, a lot of quality economics behind them are still gonna are still gonna work. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I've got a lot of clients over during my career, where when I called them about buying properties uh, that I had listed. Uh, during really good times, they were like, Michael, it's so cute you called, but you know that I'm not going to buy until we're, we're in a down market. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so and I think it's, uh, some investors look at it uh, as potential opportunity, especially in some of the s- sectors that uh, are maybe uh, more impacted by uh, COVID and work from home uh, uh, like office. Uh, we, in my mind, it could be like right after the Great Recession when home values dropped and then they went up. You know, if no one, if office is kind of down, people think that it's a that it's a bad market for office. Maybe some of these REITs and other investors uh, getting some uh, good office deals. Yeah, I mean, the, the office, you know, the office market has certainly been the one with the most outstanding questions. And in fact, in, in the REIT space, when we look at performance across the COVID period, really starting February 2020, through today, office is the uh, is the worst performing sector, and that's not because of operational performance, right? Rents were paid early, uh, you know, so, sort of um, the uh, we still they they've still got tenants in in these in these they've got rent paying tenants in in these properties. Um, leasing is happening, but it's just this I think fog of uncertainty that covers the office market and what's going to happen both in terms of a quality divide in terms of office, central business district versus suburban, and and just the impact of work from home. I'm personally, uh, you know, I think that uh, we're going to, it's going to take time for this to sort out. But I do think that um, as a society and as, as organizations, we are going to come to the conclusion that it's really important for people to be together physically as colleagues to work together that doesn't have to be five days a week but it certainly can't be zero days a week uh, because what you see in any organization is as 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 you as you go through time where you're not interacting physically where you're not really getting to know each other as colleagues and teammates you start seeing those fissures uh, 
open up, and those ultimately result in in lower productivity. And I, th- I think we'll see the org- organizations that are trying to be fully remote. I think it'll be an interesting experiment, but uh, my money is on on the organizations that are continuing to bring people together on a regular basis. I'm with you, and uh, you know these Zoom meetings and trying to communicate by email is. Uh so inefficient uh, that it uh, sometimes is uh, frustrating. So I agree with you, but it seems like uh, the man might not pick up for office space until, uh, as you mentioned earlier in this show, this employment market changes, right? And people actually get back to work. <laughs> We're all lazy now. Yeah, well, I think, I think you know, for, for most of the office market, it's, it's uh, you know, they're working. They're just not working in the office that much. Um, you know, we're we're seeing nationally. We're seeing you know sort of uh, swipes into the office running. You know, forty forty five percent. I would have guessed we would have been we would have been higher than that by now. I think that um, we're going to find this new we're going to find this new level. But I do think it's going to take some time because uh, you know I think in every organization it's it's a real challenge between. You know, we want to. You want to offer flexibility, but you want to bring people together. And in fact, one of the things that I find is that, um, you know, our our team, my team, they want to be together. Uh, they they want flexibility, but when they come into the office, they want their colleagues to be there uh, because that's what adds value. There's nothing I think as as disheartening as going through the, your commute to show up in the office and find you're the only one there. And you say, "Well, I could have been <laughs> right. sitting on my porch at home doing this, right?" Uh, yeah. So so. You know, and this is where organizations, I think, you know, are increasingly going to going to find the path to provide flexibility, but also to really just highlight that importance of we need you as a as a team to get together in a, physically, but also, you know, I think for employees, uh, it's it's really important to uh, for their emotional well-being, for their career development, you know. It's important to be around your colleagues, to develop those relationships, to find mentors, to find friends, to build those relationships, and and frankly, to uh, to get out of your house and and engage yeah. with the world around you. Right? I mean, that's uh, yeah. you know, if you if you just spend all your time in, in your house, you, you're going to go crazy after a while. John, you're actually talking about having a conversation with someone and, and not just texting and emailing and stuff like that. That's crazy, John. Yeah, you, I mean, every once in a while, you got to go sit in your colleague's office and close the door and have a real conversation with them about who they are and 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 what what they want to achieve in their life and and you you don't do that by zoom right that's it all right so i have a challenge for you john our next show you have to leave dc and not do zoom and come to studio one here in atlanta absolutely 100 percent. i'm uh i'm back traveling i'm uh i'm talking to investors in person and uh i'm so happy about it it's uh it's tremendous i'm i'm happy to Happy to go anywhere these days. Great. Well, thanks for doing that. And thanks for being on the show. Great information, John. We appreciate it. Happy to do it and uh, look forward to the next time. All right. Thank you. And thank you for listening, watching the show around the country. We appreciate uh, you doing that. Please subscribe and hit the notification bell or whatever lets you know that uh, a new show is out there that may be valuable to you or your connections. Again, thank you for watching. And uh, please uh, contact me if you uh, have any questions about the show or commercial real estate. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show.
America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access One, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.